Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This is the second half of a special two-part presentation, part of our way to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. Last week, we listened to Suspense, The Lodger, from the series Forecast. It was the audition episode for what was to become radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Today, we will jump forward 22 years in time and listen to the final episode of Suspense, Devilstone, from 1962. For 22 years, the series broadcast tales well-calculated to keep listeners in suspense. In its heyday, the show featured the finest writers, performers, and technicians in Hollywood. After two years of being sustained by CBS, Suspense picked up Roma Wines as a sponsor in 1944. After Roma, Autolite took up the mantle as sponsor in 1948. Suspense branched out into television as well from 1949 to 1952. But as the influence of television began to grow and tastes began to change, Suspense saw its budget shrink. Autolite left in 1954, and to accommodate the financial challenges, A-list Hollywood stars were replaced first by up-and-coming talent and then by more generic voice talent. The once innovative series began to reuse scripts from Escape and later from The Mysterious Traveler. The rare forays into supernatural horror or science fiction became more common to meet popular demand. The final episodes of both Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar and Suspense were both broadcast on the same evening, and both shows concluded on 7 p.m. Eastern that night. That moment is frequently cited as the end of the golden age of radio. So, now we invite you to join us to revisit that pivotal evening and listen to Devilstone from Suspense, first broadcast, September 30th, 1962. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. And now, a tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. In a moment, Act One of Devilstone, starring Christopher Carey and Neil Fitzgerald, and written especially for Suspense by Jonathan Bundy. This portion of Suspense is brought to you by the makers of Parliament Cigarettes. Listen, more and more people are smoking to this tune every day. Parliament gives you extra margin. Parliament gives you extra margin. The filter recess and made to stay unneat and clean. Quarter inch away. Parliament gives you extra margin. Parliament gives you extra margin. You're smoking neat. You're smoking clean with Parliament today. Timothy Martin. I live here in Dublin, and very nicely too, thanks to a considerable inheritance and sale of the family estate in County Kilkenny, which bought a very good price. I have a comfortable cottage, a faithful manservant by the name of Everts, 
and everything else I need to live an easy, contented life, and without the need of applying myself to any sort of labor. Even my financial matters are no bother to me. They're handled by a penny-pinching old solicitor by the name of Ian Carney. And mine was a contented life. Until, that is. Until a long-forgotten uncle died and left me some property he'd owned but never lived on up in County Fermanagh near Inneskillen. A place known as Devilstone. And then... But let me digress for a moment. I should say, let me seem to digress for a moment. And remember this, please. For it may have much to do with the strange, terrifying tale I'm about to tell you. Deep under St. Michael's Church, here in Dublin, is a crypt. It possesses most amazing properties. In it lie scores of bodies in a state of perfect preservation. Albeit they are hundreds of years old. The old ones used to say it's due to some wondrous form of black magic. Uh, but, but modern science, modern chemistry, has exploded that ancient belief. Has shown that certain gases generated by the unusual composition of the dark, dank earth in which the crypt is located, uh, those gases have produced this amazing phenomenon. Very well. Now, a few days ago, I called Mr. Carney, my solicitor, on the telephone. I've been hoping you'd call me, Timothy. I wish to speak with you about that house and property in County Fermanagh that your uncle left you. Well, I've certainly no desire to move away from Dublin, Mr. Carney, so I've decided to rent out the old place. Rent it out? And why not, sir? You really think you can? Well, I'm quite certain I can. I doubt it. Well, as a matter of fact, an American couple by the name of Stoker left here only yesterday for a look at it. I see. I expect they'll be back here a moment now to agree to lease it for the summer. Timothy, you uh, showed them the pictures and description of the place? Yesterday morning. They were, so, they were so intrigued by them, they were all for signing a lease then and there. You'd better have taken their money and let them do it, my boy. Oh? Aye. I'm sure I don't see why. Well, surely they're entitled to look at the place over before they take it. After all, Mr. Carney, never having been there myself, there wasn't too much I could tell them about Devilstone. Exactly as it should be, Timothy. Well, I'm afraid I don't understand you, sir. I mean that now, my boy. You will never rent it to them. Not anyone else who goes there. Why not? Now, why do you say that, Mr. Carney? Well? You... You don't know? Well, of course I don't know. Then perhaps your tenants... I should say erstwhile prospective tenants will tell you. If you ever see them again. Now, what do you mean by... Oh, excuse me a moment, Mr. Carney. Uh, yes, what is it, Evans? Uh, I beg your pardon, sir, but there's a Mr. Stoker here to see you. Stoker? Yes, sir. And if I may say so, he appears to be quite excited about something. Uh, rather angry. Hello? Shall I tell him you're busy and suggest he see you another time? Timothy? Yes? Uh, no, Everts. Have him come in, please. Very good, sir. Hello, hello, Timothy. Oh, oh, sorry, Mr. Carney, but I have someone here to see me. Uh, no, about Devilstone, Timothy. I, I, I think I'd better call you back. Very well, if you like. But there is something about Devilstone, its history, that you might not be cognizant of. All right, well, I'll, I'll get back to you shortly. Timothy. Uh, goodbye, sir. Well, at least you didn't try to skip out on me. Uh, Mr. Stoker, how are you? Nice to see you again. Oh, it is, eh? Uh, did, did you and your wife get over to look at Devilstone as you planned? We certainly did. And by heaven, Martin, if this is your idea of some practical joke... My what? Sending me alone to that ungodly place would have been bad enough. But my wife... Martin, you ought to be horsewhipped. Now, wait, please. I'll have you know that as a result of your having let her go there, you and your twisted sense of humor... What? What is the matter with you, anyway? The poor woman nearly went out of her mind. Mr. Stoker, I just... She still hasn't recovered from it. Sure, sure, I got her back to Dublin, all right. But the doctor has ordered her to bed. Had to give her strong sedatives... 
Now, I warn you, young man, if she doesn't recover... Now, just a minute, Mr. Stoker. Oh, don't bother, Martin. The less you say, the less I have to see of you from here on out, the better. Here. Here are the keys to that... that place. Now, look here, Mr. Goodbye, Martin. If I ever see you again, it will be in a court of law. Believe me, Mr. Stoker, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you so upset about? Oh, you don't, eh? Do you mean to say there's something... something wrong with Devilstone? And do you mean to say that you, the owner of it, don't know? You don't know what, sir? You don't know that that ungodly place is haunted? What? You heard me. Haunted! Could I possibly have heard right, sir? Haunted? Well, that's what he said, Mr. Martin. Haunted? Yes, that's what he said. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon, sir. But really, really, it's too amusing. It's perfectly all right, Everett. You go right ahead and laugh. And I'll join you. Well, that's about an absurd excuse I've ever heard. Excuse me, sir. You don't think he meant it. But the devil's zone is haunted? How could he? Haunted houses went out of fashion a hundred years ago. No, Everett, it was simply a silly excuse for not leasing the place. Well, now that he and his wife have had a look at it. But what an excuse. Or does he think that we Irish are nothing but a lot of stupid, superstitious idiots? Oh, he's right, sir. What? I, I, I mean, of course not, sir. Well, anyhow, it's completely ridiculous. So we'll simply forget it. Forget about the Stokers. Place an advertisement in the papers and find ourselves some other tenants. Yes, sir. Uh, maybe we'd best reduce the rate on it a bit. Perhaps that's what scared them off. No, that could be, sir. Or who knows? Perhaps Devilstone isn't in as good condition as we've been led to believe. But can you imagine anyone coming up with an excuse so patently absurd, so completely asinine, and so utterly foolish, and expecting us to believe him, to take him seriously? Yes. What is it, sir? Everts. The truth now. Yes. Do you believe? D do you think? Possibly. Oh, no. No, of course not. It couldn't be. And it... Could that have been what Mr. Carney was talking about? Or at least implying? Mr. Carney, the solicitor? Yeah. But Mr. Carney seems to be a man of good sense. He was so definite about it, though. When he told me I should have let them do what they wanted after they saw the pictures, sign a lease immediately. Before they even saw Devilstone? Yes, yes, they would have, you know. They would have signed and paid a couple of months' rent, and Mr. Carney said I was wrong in not letting them do it. Not getting what I could, and immediately. Uh, would, that would have been... Would it have been completely uh, ethical, no? You mean if something is wrong with the place? But haunted, sir. No, no, of course not. Ridiculous. Oh, of course. And yet... Uh, well, there's one way to find out. Yes. Shall I put in a call to Mr. Carney? No, 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 no. By doing that, I'd be admitting that I might believe in such ridiculous possibility. No, no, Everts. You and I will drive up to Devilstone and we'll investigate ourselves. Capital, sir. A splendid idea. Uh, you like it, eh? Well, never having seen the place either of us, and after Mr. Stoker's reaction to it, it might be quite exciting, sir. Uh, let's see now. If we leave right away, we should be able to reach Devilstone by nightfall. Yes, sir. Uh, so watch the car and a couple of flashlights, too. Very good, sir. And perhaps, uh, perhaps I'd better take along a pistol, just in case. And of course. What, sir? Well, to conduct our investigation in the ghostly place and style, we'll take along one of the dogs with us. Say, uh, Red Kim of Hellescote. An excellent idea, sir. Now, let's get underway. Yes, sir. Well, Everts, if the man at the petrol station told us right, the rambling old mansion you now see before you is Devilstone. Yes. I see. 
Now, what kind of a reaction is that? Uh, a gloomy old place, if I may say so, sir. Now, don't you start conjuring up some ghosts. Even Kim apparently finds nothing particularly friendly about it. Now, look, Evans. If you're going to become superstitious about Devilstone... Oh, no, sir. Come along, we'll have a look at it. Come along, Kim, come along. Now, let me see if I can unlock this door. Yes, sir, here. I'll hold the flash on it for you. Good. Uh, I believe this is the key. Well, the door is already ajar. Why, yes, sir. So I see. Well, come along, you two. Come on, kid. He's protesting rather vehemently, sir. We'll just get him inside and we'll close the door. Yes, sir. Kim! What the devil's the matter with you? Come now, boy. Are you a dog or a mouse? most certainly is frightened of something, sir. Yes. He doesn't look like a ghost hunter crouched down there in the corner that way. And if I remember the pictures correctly, this door here should lead to a small out enclosed court, sir. And my word. Just another night bird, Everts. Don't let it bother you. Now, now do you mind telling me why... Well, why did you do that? I beg your pardon? What, why, you're still over there at the door. And yet, I distinctly felt something or someone bump against my shoulder. And I thought someone walked on past me. Look here, look here, Mr. Martin. Yes? What is it? In the mud, out there in the court. Shine your light on it, sir, where mine is. Why, why, yes, footprints. Big ones. And fresh. And do you see? More of them are being made even as we look at them. No. And yet there's no one there to make them. Impossible. I, I know, sir. But you're right, Evans. You're right. I'm back inside now, and quickly. Yes, now, whatever is making those footsteps can't follow us. It does feel a bit safer in here. Uh, no wonder Kim is frightened. There were things like that going on. Uh, but why? And how? Do you suppose, sir, that one of the old lamps could be lighted? Well, if they have any oil in them. And it shouldn't take us long to find out if they... Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. Now, what are we acting this way for? It's trickery, that's all it is. It's trickery. But by, by whom, sir? And why? Well, that is something we shall have to find out. Now, where is Kim? Oh, there he is, still in the corner. Right. Do you suppose, sir? No. Nonsense. Whoever it was that scared Stoker and his wife out of here is trying to scare us now. And I mean to find him out. But the dog, sir. And if it's true about them and, and, and that there is a ghost... Nonsense. Now, 
We'll just look about here. Where? Now what's the matter? That door. At the other end. What? Behind you. It's opening by itself into a small room beyond. Uh, good. Then we shall start our investigation in that room. Well, uh, are you coming? Uh, yes, sir. Oh! Oh, clumsy. Now you dropped your flashlight. I didn't, sir. I didn't. It was knocked out in the hand. It what? Honest. Honest it was, sir. I swear it, sir. Now, Everts, don't be silly. Go on back in there and get it. Well, I, I, I really rather not, sir, if you don't mind. Oh, oh, the door. It's closed by itself. And now we're locked in. Oh, we are, eh? Who did this? Who closed this door? Who's there? Who's there, I say? Same one. What? Same thing. What are you talking about? The same thing that struck your shoulder, that made the footprints in the mud, and that frightened poor Kim so badly. And frightened you, too. Well, I say it's trickery. Trickery. It has to be. Who's doing this? Answer me. Answer me. Your death begun. Your death begun. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I guess we'd better. Yes, sir. Uh, no, no. Not a bit of it. Please, sir. Please, in the name of heaven, sir. No. We're going to stay right here, Everts, until we find Your out. death begun. No, no, no. Not until we learn just what's going on and... Where's that voice coming from? I've tried to warn you. Oh, please, sir. They have tried to scare us, that's all. Tried to scare us. Yes. Yes. So that you'd leave this place. Why? Because if you do not, you will suffer the same fate as the dog. Kim? Fate? What are you talking about? Oh, look, sir. The door is opening. Yes, look. In the light of the flash that was dropped in there. Kim! Everts. Everts. Kim is dead. Then, Mr. Martin. Oh, please, sir. I, I, I beg of you. Who did this? Who did this? Show yourself. Yes. I will show myself. Look. What? Oh, look, sir. Out, out of thin air. Yes, yes, I see him. Mr. Martin, Mr. Martin. Yes, yes, yes. All right, all right, we'll leave. Come along, Evans. Come on. Mm. 
Yes, 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 Mr. Carney. I thought at first it was trickery or perhaps some kind of joint hallucination by Everts and myself, induced perhaps by the gloomy atmosphere of the old house and whatever it was that Stoker had said about his wife and her being so terrified. No, my boy. Uh, but when it actually happened, that he actually appeared there before us out of thin air, this misty, tenuous, impalpable figure, and then when we found there wasn't so much as a little mark on Kim, the dog, who up to that moment had been as healthy as I. But why didn't you tell me about whatever it is in that, 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 that inhabits that place when I talked to you on the phone? I tried to, Timothy, but you cut me off. And after all, I'd known about it only as a legend from hearsay. And he was a huge man and powerful, this ghost. Yes, I should say it was Jason O'Flynn, your ancestor, who built the place for his wife. It was to have been her castle. It was? Yes. But the first day she sought to enter into it, she fell, tripped upon the threshold, she struck her head, and she never regained consciousness. I see. The doctor was summoned, did all he could for her, there in a smaller room off the main salon. Yes. But she died that night. And then Jason O'Flynn swore by the book that no one would live in that house but he until his body turned to dust. He walked out of that little room then and was never seen again. And ever since that time... But now you know the rest. Wait. Yes? Until his body turns to dust. His own words. And he wasn't seen to leave. No. What are you thinking of, Timothy? I'm going back there, Mr. Carney, tomorrow in daylight. Hmm. I, I, I just don't get it. And I certainly found no signs of hollow walls or hidden panels on the floors above, sir. And yet, Everett, somewhere, somewhere close to that small room. Hmm. Don't you think it's best we simply leave the place and... and, and... No, no, no. No one but he. What? Until his body turned to dust. What, sir? And although there must have been other people about, he wasn't seen to leave. And to me, Evers, that means only one thing. Somewhere in this house lies the key to this mystery. But we've been here most of the day, sir, and we've found nothing. And it's getting on towards dusk. I know, I know, I know. But until I find some... Oh. Sorry, sir. Let me help you. The old rug was so badly wrinkled, it's no wonder you tripped. Wait. Everts. Listen. Very, a very hollow floor, I should say. Here. Help me fold this rug back. Yes, sir. Here now. And look. A sort of trapdoor. And fit it in the floor so tightly. Yes. And this... It looks like a seal around the edge. Why, yes, sir. And a heavy lift and ring. Well, then give me a hand. We'll see if we can raise it. Now. Oh, it's very tight, sir. Yes. Uh, but the seal is giving way a little. Put everything you have into it now. Ah, good. We made it. Must have fitted hard over coming up out of that place. Yes. Yes, Everts. Like that in the caves, the catacombs under St. Mikan's. You mean where all the, the, the bodies and... Uh, yes. Quickly now. The flashlight. Give it to me. Here, sir. Now. Now. Look, 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 look down there on the earthen floor below. Do you see? Do you see? The wrists are cut. He killed himself. No. No, it's he. 
It's the ghost that we saw. Yes, Everts. The body of Jason O'Flynn. And so perfectly preserved as, as though he died only moments ago. Oh, it's horrid. Until his body turned to dust, he said. So we know now. Now that we've found it. So please, sir, let's leave this place. Uh, wait, Everts. Wait. What do you see? Now the fresh air has reached it. Oh! Oh, good Lord! Yes. The color is leaving the cheeks. The pallor of death is taking its place. And yes, now, at long last, the body will turn to dust. No longer will Jason O'Flynn walk the night. Requiescat in pace. Suspense. You've been listening to Devilstone, starring Christopher Carey and Neil Fitzgerald, and written especially for Suspense by Jonathan Bundy. Suspense is produced and directed by Fred Hendrickson. Heard in tonight's story were Gilbert Mack, Walter Grisey, Reynold Osborne, and Frank Milano. Music supervision by Ethel Huber. Sound patterns by Walter Otto. Technical direction by Fred Cusick. Associate director, Bernie Seabrooks. This is Stuart Metz speaking. Every weekday evening, Chris Schenkel is anchorman for a globe-girdling roundup of first-hand reports on sports activities everywhere. Make this your address for worldwide sports every weeknight. He who laughs oftenest... Here's Arthur Godfrey time weekdays on the CBS radio network. That was Devilstone from Suspense from 1962, the final episode of Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And again, that is part two of our Patreon uh, reward uh, for hitting a certain number. Uh, we did last week the first episode ever of Suspense and... Uh, Mostly, we agreed that the first episode was very terrible and difficult. And, I liked uh, it. Tim, <laughs> Tim liked it, and now we're doing the second ep- or the, the second one is the last episode of Suspense. And wow, way to come full circle, boys! Way I know to, this is sort of like visiting a relative on life support, right? <laughs> oh yeah, God, this is every a, part of this was sad. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing <laughs> redeeming about for me the first episode or the last episode. What happened in between was miraculous, but wow, it's like uh, watching one of those boxers uh, that uh, just shouldn't be f- boxing anymore. <laughs> or yeah. an athlete that should have retired. Oof. It invoked this sense of these actors working in a studio where they had to close off a bunch of the famous big space where these famous shows were made, but we can't access that more anymore or use it anymore, and we're just kind of on the last little bit of power we have putting together this little bit of a thing. Yeah. All right. So, was, Tim, tell them stuff. <laughs> this is such a good idea in my head. Next time I'll listen. Well, as to beforehand. the actual episode itself, for me it had two interesting things about it. One was it was about a haunted house, which I love haunted house stories. Yes. And it spent like the first 20 minutes or so just establishing this is a haunted house. I'm right. exaggerating, but it, it spent a lot of time establishing that point. Not only that, they just didn't even say it for 20 minutes before you finally went, it's a haunted house. Mm-hmm. 
And you knew from the get-go it's a haunted house because he something. told you that at the top. Yes. So that, uh, like, this whole story starts it. when I get this strange property called Devilstone, and then you're like, Which, "Yeah, you know it's haunted. It's called Devilstone. Yeah. How did you not know? And how does he not know about this property until now? It was in his family for years. Like no one ever brought it up. They put a lot of unnecessary obstacles between this character and the plot. Yes. <laughs> the other significant point that I liked about the story was oh it's an haunted house and there is a chamber in there where things do not decay yeah th- and those they are say good. it at the top and it becomes important at the end and there's nothing about it in between you could write a really good story with those two pieces of information and that it's, they a, didn't. it's a real thing that he brings up at the top St. Michael's is a real oh. place in Ireland and that really happened I did not know I know that. so it's bring a... it bring it this is more interesting than that tell me all about this <laughs> well gentlemen <laughs> I have some notes about it Good. um but it's pretty much exactly what he described at the beginning it's a real place and the theories are is that the basement contains limestone making the basement particularly dry and therefore good for mummification another is that the church was built on former swampland and that methane gas is acting as some kind of preservative go ahead and snicker gentlemen <laughs> no tell me more about the values of methane gas i could use this later dear wife wendy i pass gas to save your life have a dutch oven there are uh, people buried in this church are it's they like still, an underground yeah, crypt and they're still there and they're still preserved like madame tussauds they're, preserved no, this exaggerates it the story but they're preserved the way an egyptian mummy is preserved i mean they're pretty uh. shrunken and wrinkled but what has happened is that they've out they're cured the, they're cured and they've outlived the caskets the caskets right. rot away and they just tumble out <laughs> i'm laughing because he said they're cured of death like they've been cured <laughs> of what ailed them <laughs> Can we get out of here? Man. (laughs) That was a close one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But I read that the church has been uncomfortable with letting people come study these, like open the coffins and go like, what's going on in here? Except for when they actually fall out of the coffins, they've decided... That's fair. <laughs> the, Why are the they corpses falling? have actually tumbled out because the coffin rots away. Oh, the coffin ages before the body does. And eventually, right. I get that's how they discovered it is just suddenly uh, like a mummified hand just flops out of the side of the coffin as it crumbles away. Please tell me someone was standing there when it happened. <laughs> sure, like, someone was standing there when it happened. <laughs> See, now suspense, he, that's like, how you finish a holding series. Holding his hand out saying, give me five. And- <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Thanks, dead guy. (laughs) The top of this, when he's doing the whole intro, I'm so mad at the music. The music has zero to do with anything that he's saying. I can't think of a worse mismatch than the music and the dialogue and the delivery of that dialogue and the music. I hated it so much. It was like, could someone turn off the radio? I'm trying to listen to the scary story. That was part of the heartbreak for me of like, oh, they've just got this recorded music and yeah. that's what they have and they used to have an orchestra in there. That but didn't, didn't they even have a an album of scary music? Felt like they were trying to be a little modern and split mm-hmm. the difference to appeal to... The taste of swing in 1962. <laughs> I'll give you that, but it was terrible because oh, it doesn't no. match. No, you're right. The mood of what he's trying to set, and it's it's all pretty half-hearted. And then they killed a dog. 
And it's so, so obvious too, because it's yeah. like, hey, let's take a dog along with us to be murdered. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they almost say that. However, and, was the dog done by a voice talent? I thought I, so, because it was awesome. That was one of the really? best. I, I loved thought it was the, awful. You thought it was oh, awful? The growling. The, oh, the growl is good, but every other noise, unless it's a dog that changed into different animals as it went along, right. because sometimes it sounded like a chimpanzee, sometimes it sounded like a well, baby. Well, it was the I screeching couldn't... owl or peahen or whatever it was. That... Oh, yes, yeah, some nocturnal bird. Maybe that's what sounded like the monkey. There's like, there's a chimp in this closet. <laughs> <laughs> did you say peahen? I did say peahen. Don't say peahen. Listen, uh, the growling of the dog, if that was a voice talent, it was really good. Yes, that's I think, the best I think it was this. a croc. Which is apparently their nickname. Lingo slinging. Yeah. Look at uh, you. Yeah. Knowing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my final note that I wrote before I gave up. <laughs> so the house is haunted and uh, they... Um... And I stopped writing. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> I, I just got so frustrated. And they, um... I'm bored with my own analysis of the story. Yeah, it's a haunted house and then... Nothing happens, man. They go and release the guy, I guess. As soon as the lawyer says he will never leave the house again until he crumbles into dust, you go, yeah, that's why they told us the story of St. Mikan's at the top. I can turn it off now. (laughs) The moment when the ghost first speaks, that it's sort of an awkward interruption. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did one of you guys just say that? Yeah, you expected the ghost to say, oh, you dropped something. (laughs) Uh, Get out. Did they know it was the final episode? If they didn't know this was it, they knew it was soon, I imagine, by this point. If they knew, they should have ended this with, and you know what? We quit. <laughs> That's it. Just the recording of people taking things from the office. <laughs> Just take a typewriter. Anybody take got it a, with you. Anybody got a box? <laughs> it was supposed to be set in 1962, I think, but he's, the protagonist spoke in a very formal manner that made it seem like a time far away but yet he said like haunted houses were popular a hundred years ago which made me think setting wise it's 1962 but he still has a dog named red kim of heatherscote <laughs> how do you feel about that dog name i know that you uh eric have a opinions about dog names yeah i do uh, <laughs> there's only good ones and then they're bad ones red kim from heather's white yeah that's a terrible name all right <laughs> they need to be uh, preferably two syllables. Yeah. Bark, bark. <laughs> Dino. That's a great dog name. But my dog, and here I am with a dog named King. But then again, my dog is named after Sergeant Preston's dog because I'm a nerd loser. It's half right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, I know, but it, I just, it seemed pithy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up all night wondering which half. Is that an insult or a... Oh, no, either way, it's an insult. Yeah. <laughs> I just got tired of picking on suspense. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is truly sad. There's something actually really, really sad about Parliament cigarettes, too. That just made me extra sad. Like, it's suspense it... is out on a street corner with cartons of Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Ten bucks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to go from the opening of suspense into that wacky theme music jingle for Parliament Cigarettes. It's so jarring to come out of suspense and then into that. It was almost like a a Christmas carol, Mm -hmm. that jingle. It was so not paying attention to 
being in control of your advertising. I know you need the money, but it has to fit the product. And and many people are guilty of this. And I've worked many places that just cram things in because people have money. Uh, and I've also worked places where they're very adamant that it has to fit the product. This is a great example of not caring because that jarring move from the opening suspense into, into that upbeat jingle for dish soap going on. They were not in any position to negotiate anything. They were just barely hanging on. But it's for the good of the client because no one's going to listen if you do that. No one was listening anyway, I think, by this point. That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there should be more to say and other yeah. I mean maybe it's an apology. I mean it, <laughs> I feel it, bad for featuring this. It was just had nothing to recommend it. As I was thinking about it, it made me think of the things suspense did really well in its heyday to generate suspense and the things that this story could not manage. Right. Um, there is no character you feel sympathy for and you worry before their their fate. Mm-hmm. Um, at no point were you ever really worried about these characters, what was going to happen to them. It takes a long time for them to actually get in any danger. There's no real surprise or twist at the end, which is the signature suspense. Yeah. The, the, never really, aside from the dog, any point at which they show you the fate that might befall these characters. Mm-hmm. You have the two previous tenants who leave threatening legal... Uh, action, and then a dog who dies, and that's mm-hmm. that's the story. And a ghost who's telling you, get out because I don't want to hurt you. I'm willing to kill a dog, but not you. And it's weird because the Why dog... Why doesn't the ghost just say, hey, 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 see that door? Open it so I can uh, go to my to eternal rest. Please just open the door, let in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe. Um, it was also... A, I, I was still invested enough at that point to, like... You, how long have you been searching this room? You couldn't find a trap door on the floor. <laughs> how big is this room? It's you huge. <laughs> you have no idea. Or just a tiny trap door. <laughs> There's a carpet over it. There was one moment where I had a little bit of hope for it, and it was when the uh, American gentleman comes back and is just laying into him about, how could you do this? My wife is in the hospital. And for a moment, I went... Maybe this is going to be just crazy. Like, what's in that house is just yeah. bonkers. His wife got turned inside out by Arch Obar or something <laughs> in, that, right. in that house. Like, it's going to be crazy. And then a few more lines of dialogue. I went, no, it's just going to be footprints that appear and doors that creak. And <laughs> wow, his wife's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, at that point, I was still getting to the... Well, I'm beginning to think this house is haunted. (laughs) I also love how factual he states it. There are some houses that are haunted is a absolute fact in that man's world. Mm -hmm. You didn't tell us that house was haunted. How dare you? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because that's a thing, and you should warn people that that happens. Yet he travels to secluded locations to rent houses and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but believes the houses are haunted. Right. Seems like it's not what you would do. Right. All right. I'm going to vote. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't uh, stand the test of time. It's sad. and uh, um, But uh, the good news is is that we know full well that... Uh, Suspense lived a full life. <laughs> <laughs> we gave it a good home. We yeah. did. We gave it a good home. It was really yeah. happy here. I mean, and the end was quick. And the end was quick. I mean, this was only like 23 minutes. Right. We got to hold it in our arms and tell it we loved it. <laughs> it was awful. 
It's okay. It's okay. Goodbye, Kim. <laughs> I just wish I'd told Suspense I loved it. Oh, my God. No. Not only is it not good, it reaches out and sours other shows. The fact that it reached a point where it's belligerently content to be this bad. Yeah. I think it's that accepting it's, of its yeah, fate that makes those it seem so bad. that it implies of... Yeah. The year before this, it was this bad, but not quite this bad. The year before that, it was this bad, but not quite that bad. A moment of silence for suspense. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, tell him stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. You can listen to a lot of other episodes that are not this one that are really good. Thank you so much for the Patreon supporters who got us to do this. Um, as much as we complained about it, it was fascinating to listen to these two episodes. It was. Also at ghoulishlights.com, you'll find links to our social media pages. You can comment on episodes. You can leave us messages. If there's something you'd like us to listen to, let us know. We'll add it to our list, and we will get to it as soon as we can, which is maybe a year. <laughs> but we'll get to it. You can also support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash themorals. And I promise you, if you start supporting this podcast, our next goal reward will be better than these two episodes. I can say that. It's a brand new car. (laughs) Not quite that good. Uh, Yeah, and uh, go to iTunes and write a review. We really appreciate that, too. And if you would like to see us performing live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theatrical Company, uh, branch of this, uh, does live recreations of old-time radio shows on stage and sometimes original uh, radio dramas. Just go to MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com and you'll see a list of shows. If you are listening, and it is uh, early in the year 2020, we are currently uh, performing through May at Park Square Theater. What is coming up next? Next. Greetings, listeners. This is Joshua with a message from the future. Unfortunately, our annual Valentine's Day episode has been delayed due to illness, but we'll be back as quickly as we can with a substitute episode. The Cable Car Case from Candy Madsen, Yukon 28209429566. I don't know her number. I will learn it before the next episode. Until then... Now, where is Kim? Oh, there he is, still in the corner.